Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. Joining us for this hour, Missy Clifton, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. So, I decided that this week, for this third hour, we would do some musical tributes uh, in the first half of the hour for Jeff Beck, and in the second half of the hour for David Crosby, both of whom passed away recently. So what you were just listening to was um, Heart Full of Soul by the Yardbirds, which that album or that song was probably released about 1966. And, you know, people who, what you need to understand is that the Yardbirds had three major guitarists, British, well-known, Jeff Beck, Jimmy Clapton, or Jimmy Clapton, Eric Clapton, and Jimmy Page, all three of which went on to have big-time careers. Now, Jeff Beck was the most, let's call it, experimental of the three guitarists. They all looked at him like he was a guitar god, but truthfully, he was not really this anywhere near the commercial success that Eric Clapton had with, you know, Cream and then on his own. And, of course, Jimmy Page had uh, with Led Zeppelin. But um, the thing that is so fascinating about it is that I never knew this until recently. All three of these guitarists were from a place called Surrey, which is just sort of southwest of London, it's an area that's known for its green space. It's it's not a, a very uh, highly populated area. There's a little place there called Woking, and I remember seeing Woking as uh, 
Elizabeth, you lived in London for a while. Is there a tube stop of Woking? Well, it was probably 40 years ago. I, I don't remember Woking okay. specifically, and I was well, only there for a semester. We Anyway, that's just southwest of London. Um, I th- it seems like I went down there to Surrey. I think there was a kid that played soccer on my team, and when I went over there to England in 82, I went down to visit him. But anyway, the point is, these three guys had such a huge impact on what we know as rock, British rock music. But basically what they were doing, they were taking an American sound which was the blues and what we would call rock and roll and interpreting it from a British point of view in a way that in some somehow made it, it's like it laundered it. It made it more palatable. They had to restate it back to, to Americans the same way the Beatles took what you would just call folk music skiffled at the beginning and then just pure songwriting, and but typically there were American subjects in it. It's so interesting how one thing goes through a certain filter and comes back in another restated way. So now Jeff Beck was more of an innovator in terms of the fact that he was willing to do so, to screw stuff up, kind of like me, uh, for the purpose of trying to, to get somewhere with it. And I would say that the other two, they were much more conscious of their commercial appealability. You know, how is this going to play? What's it going to look like? So here's another song, and this is going to be uh, a thing that – is a little more bluesy, but you'll hear it. You got to give me a little we, more. We're warning. going back to the way the station did us last week, just dead air <laughs> yeah, for. Well, yeah. This, oh, okay. This is yeah, not, this, this is, is what we're doing. Yeah, this is a little pre thing. You got to give me a little more warning, so I get it booted that's up. That's not Here the we one go. we're doing. All right. Well, that's what it gave me. So let's try again. There was a. There we go. All right, turn that up. Now, turn it up. This is called a talk box. It's also been used by Peter Frampton, other people. He's actually speaking into a tube that's going through his amplifier on the guitar. He's making that sound with his mouth. So he'll play notes that aren't really notes. We need to play this one a little bit because it's just got some great passages in it.
listen to the textures. The sound texture. It doesn't even... Bending notes. Okay, that's good. All right, that 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 one is uh, one of his. This is the part of Jeff Beck I like that he's not afraid to really experiment, use different kind of sound techniques. It doesn't have to be some song that's going to be a top it's almost like when he was playing he was almost not really trying to attract an audience the same way say eric clapton eric clapton's worried about a hair being out of place now and not, nothing wrong with him you know he's, he's just it's a different thing all right there's one more on here i wanted to share with you and um then we'll we'll move on to some as elizabeth says content all right uh now this is Jeff Beck with his friend from Surrey, Eric Clapton. I um, I can't believe this. I just, you know, you people. But on top of this, I'd like to welcome to the stage somebody who knows their way around a Stratocaster. Um, Mr. Eric Clapton is here tonight. Bar blues. And I got a bird for the spring. Well, I got a bird for the winter. Don't you know I got a bird for the spring? of Jeff Beck only a small taste you know to me I think he's more known for the effect that he had on others around him there's no song that Jeff Beck did that you think of as being one of his songs but he still was a, a groundbreaker and he's more like the guitarist's guitarist. He's he's looked up to 
by professionals in the field as being an innovator, an experimenter, and, and in some ways, a man among men. And that being the case, you have to say that he, people like Jimmy Page and Eric Clapton, who were huge commercial successes, looked up to Jeff Beck. All right. Okay, Missy, it's all yours now. No. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, we got nine minutes. I got nothing left. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm really sorry that, uh, that that people died this week, but I was never really a big Jeff Beck fan. No, I wasn't either. I mean, that's not the point. It doesn't. I don't have to be somebody's big fan. I, I'm, I'm all I'm trying to do. I, I was a, a, a fan of. See, my musical tastes are way different today than they were when I was 14 years old. This is stuff I listened to when I was 14. But he had a, you know, that the Yardbirds were a seminal group. That's the right word to use. You, nobody's ever heard of, of one of their songs. I mean, you know, over, under, upside down. I mean, they're. These were kind of skiffle-type songs from the 60s. That It's when all the British groups were sounding kind of alike. The Rolling Stones sounded like that, too. You know, kind of a strumming guitar. It's that sort of a beat to it. It really goes back to somebody like Donnie Lonigan. But anyway, then, you know, the, the psychedelia thing came in, and, you know, the Beatles made uh, Strawberry Fields for or, uh Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club. Yeah, and and so then things began to change. The sound changed. It seemed to me to be better defined among the British groups than the American ones. It seemed that way. Which ones have been truly durable into the 2020s? The Rolling Stones. Um, uh, you know, everybody still hears about Led Zeppelin. They still play their stuff. They still play the Beatles record. What American groups from that time zone do you still think of? None. Maybe the Beach Boys. Queen. Oh, honey. Yeah. That's 80s. Okay. All right. Good Lord. <laughs> I'm going to have to do some work with you. Oh, sweetheart. Wait, no, no. We're bit, yeah, the who, but that's British. Okay. That's British. And their queen's not American. You know, th that's Sammy, or uh, what's the guy's name? Freddie. He's British. Sure. So see all so I, these I groups. The question. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, you did. I missed the question. Okay. Sorry. So. The, the point, I don't know. <laughs> I just think it's, it's worth, you know, maybe when I die, somebody will say, I never was a big Tom Dupree fan, but he's worth talking about. I don't know. <laughs> I don't care. I mean, it's not a big deal. So there has been a lot of stuff going on this week and it's, it's fascinating. The things that keep on happening. Um, you watch anything of the world economic forum? Oh gosh. I'm riveting on every word. I mean, Seriously? you know, I think Al Gore is getting better with age. <laughs> he, he is getting better with age. Uh, I, I, I think he's certainly getting more passionate. Well, he certainly is richer. He, 
he's made more money, but you know, that's not a big deal to him. He's trying to you really think save so? the world. No, no, he could care less about I, money. I, I, mean, I, I mean, sorry, pardon me, but I've got you know, a little suspect on the handful of elites that are all arrive in their private jets, all, you know, opining about saving the world while they're being wined and dined. And unfortunately, I was reading about the supply of, of female uh, companions and, you know, um, I'm sorry. If, if their well, goal, their goal is what? to keep you scared for a profit. I'm sorry. That, that's the you're way you're talking about. It. Paid, paid female. Yeah, companion. that's that would be paid, that. paid yeah, yeah. escort. Well, and you said Al Gore, and I'm thinking case in point. You know, who's the guy that sets up a green investment? You know, firm worth what thirty six billion dollars. Listen, I know that he draws something insane like two million dollars a month in salary. Uh, and then and then he's sits in the there, same business we're in. So don't be don't be throwing rocks in glass watched, houses. Okay. Watched him do his you know big spiel talking all about how great our in you know our inflation reduction act which is basically you know a whole bother, you know, nice little package of climate control yeah, stuff that's right, right. That's what it is. well you know so he's sitting there talking about all that he's going to do and you know the that this and you know i kept thinking dude china <laughs> china is responsible for 40 yeah, percent of the yeah. emissions and they weren't sitting at the table so no. I, it's almost like you have to look at you know who what are it's the adults about in the room? Here, here's what it's about don't don't just let's cut to the chase cut to the chase this is about this is about socialism it's about just destroying the private sector okay listen i gotta say this this is the cool why am i getting nervous this is the coolest thing i've done in a long time okay i am in dr bradshaw's you had your first class last night yes Oh my god. Philosophy, god. seven something. Seven hundred level. Seven hundred level That's philosophy class. Th- yeah. I'm an auditor. I'm not in the class. You need to be taking it for a grade. Yeah, right. I mean I I would I wouldn't have a problem being a philosophy major because if you can bottle this kind of discussion, I mean we were into everything. But one of the things that we read what, what's the professor's name again? David Bradshaw, David Bradshaw at UK. Okay. All right. he's, a, he's, a, he's a rock star. A lot of people don't know what a big deal How he is. How many people are in the class? Six. <laughs> no. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a seminar. Okay. But anyway. All right. And the title of it is? I don't remember. E- the Problem of Evil in Antiquity. But we read Prometheus Bound. Now, that, but that's about, you know, Prometheus was the firebringer. And Zeus punished him. Because he took the gift of the gods, fire, and gave it to the human race. Think about what the gift of fire has meant. Everything we have is, is from combustion. It is life itself. What this left-wing movement wants to do is wipe out fire. Because fire, combustion, creates Two byproducts. If it's a if it's an efficient fire, if it's a blue flame, what's that? These headphones are great. Oh, Tom got everybody new headphones. Except for you, you're still using those things that need to be in the. Go ahead. We're talking about fire, and I I, I interrupted you. I interrupted you. All right. And Hephaestus was the iron guy. Uh, yeah. I mean. 
if you remove fire from humanity, everything on this earth will ultimately die. Think about how power is generated. Fire, you know, combustion, cars. You want to drive all electric cars, great. But the way that they get charged is power plants, which burn fire. Heating, it's all fire. There's a little fire back there. What about solar energy? Well, how do you build all the solar energy receptacles? First of all, that sun is on fire. That is pure flame up there. That's combustion going on. Helium, hydrogen, whatever. So if you go back in Greek mythology to the very basic dawn of fire, that's what Prometheus Bound is about. It's about Zeus. It's almost like Genesis in the Garden of Eden. You know, mankind took a bite out of the uh, apple. Fire has been everything to the human race. It still is. We have not gone beyond combustion. And we're not going to. That's the lie. And they want to take it away. All right, we're going to go to a break. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Missy Clifton. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. Don't you know I got a bird for the spring? On the wall 
Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show. So Mike Johnson caught wind that we're do- we were doing lots of music in this hour. So he has jumped in and is going to join us. Missy Clifton's with us and our host, Tom Dupree. And we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. This is my favorite Jeff Beck song. <laughs> so David Crosby also passed away this week. And I bought this album when it came out. 1969. Crosby, was, Stills, and Nash. Crosby, Stills, and Nash. So I was probably 12. Probably bought it with money that I earned from mowing lawns. Um, now, the funny thing is, everybody's seen the picture of it. It's the three of them sitting on an old couch. Stephen still sitting in the middle with a, a guitar, I think. And Graham Nash is on the left and david crosby's on the right but if you look at the back it's it's weird if you they're sitting on the front porch of an old frame house if you go around to the back of the album it it goes around the house to this window and peering through the window is neil young so it's weird not everybody picked up on it at first but See, he wasn't part of the band yet, but he was, sort of. He's never been what I would call a... He's, he's odd. But um, so there's so many good songs on this album, and it, it brought them really into a focus that was sudden and very pronounced. Um, and... The music style is not what you'd call rock and roll. It isn't really folk in the Joni Mitchell sense. It's something new. Now, I'm going to tell you where it came from. That last one that I just sent you. N- not, not the next one, but the very last one. Graham Nash. is a me- This is a California group. Laurel Canyon, the whole nine yards. You know, all the people that lived in Laurel Canyon. But this is where that sound came from. And I know it takes her a minute to get it teed up. But Graham Nash was a member of a group prior to Crosby, Stills, and Nash. The British group. Turn it up. 12-string guitar, just like... more like the Beatles. Well, this style of music. Not nobody sounds like the, the Beatles. Hollies. From about 1965. So it was in the same era. Well, no, it was a few years earlier. Graham Nash moves to California, hooks up with Stephen Stills, but the harmonies came from British Skiffle. But they re- Created them into sort of a California vibe. Beach which, Boys also. Well, the Beach Boys did something way different. The, these guys were hippies. The Beach Boys were ostensibly clean-cut college surfer guys. Totally different thing. But by then, the whole culture was changing. So 
it's it's interesting, but they transferred the harmonic part of it to Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Yeah. Who else has said this? I've not heard anybody say this, but I'm sure music critics have picked up on it a lot. I remember an interview they did with Joe Walsh um, years back. They said, uh, if you want to understand music, who should you listen to? He said, so if you want to learn music, learn every chord from every Beatles song and learn every vocal part from Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Really? He said, learn learn the harmonies and find that that hidden harmony where it's, if it's not there, you notice it's not there. Yeah, but when they're, you're they're, listening, you don't, you don't that hear That song we were just listening to. All right, so now there's another David Crosby thing here. And this is a group from California called Venice. They actually helped my nephew, Critty, uh, Christian Dupree, kind of get an album done these are the Lennon brothers and i think they're cousins but the mothers were the Lennon sisters which were kind of a bebop group from the 40s and 50s real you know great vocals all right the they're doing a show here with david crosby this is good and the video you can get it on youtube so it's venice private show and david yeah crosby. They, it was somebody's party Somebody took it with their phone. Yeah. And this is a song you've heard. So we probably should turn that up. Fast forward it a little bit. No, no, you're good. For us, growing up with this music, just like all of you did, it's like being able to play catch with Mickey Mantle or something. We're talking about being able to play with David Crosby. Kent State 
uh, shootings in uh, 1970. That was a hippie anthem for many years. So, but this is a private party in California, and David Crosby was probably this was in 2011. So he's probably 70 by then. Anyway, I wanted to play that, and then there's one other song because he did an album, kind of on his own. Uh, I think Crosby, Stills, and Nash, they would sort of come in and out, and then they'd do solo albums. And the, the third one on there, and this, he, he, he did this album called If I Could Only Remember My Name in 1971. And by then, I'd kind of gotten off of them because I didn't even like their second album very much, the one with Neil Young on it. I did like I like Neil Young's solo album called After the Gold Rush, but I kind of got off of Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and David Crosby I wasn't really following. But this album is unbelievable. It's called If I Can Only Remember My Name, and there's this one song on there that is just great. So go ahead. I'm trying. I know. There we go. This reminds me of Camp Mondamon. Which, what was the date for that? Well, I went there from 1970 to 76. This reminds me of Bill Brody, just back from Vietnam. It was your counselor. Yeah. It's hard enough, I know, to find the strength to go back to where it all began. Hard enough to gain an attraction in the rain. You know it's hard to find a way to get through another city day. Without thinking about getting in. Okay, so that's a song called Traction in the Rain, and there's there's several good songs on that album. One called Laughing, which is even better. But this D- David Crosby had this remarkable um, now the feel for. Tremendous nuance in music and using his voice in sort of lilting ways that, uh, I mean, he, he could, he could sound like an animal crying, you know, his, his voice was remarkable and, and he just, he and Joni Mitchell were very close. They dated and, you know, she's kind of a hot mess and I'm sure he is too. But, you know, they, it didn't um, last. But, I mean, two geniuses. You know, I ain't going to get along. Yeah. You so know. this album was, is, am I correct, it, If I Could Only Remember My Name? It's called If I Could Only Remember My Name. It didn't, not many people really listened to it. By then, Neil Young had gotten to be a rock star, you know, and everybody, and, I mean, so what? But, uh this guy not a neil young fan eh 
No, I mean, he's an idiot. But um, uh, um, the, That was such a big, fat pitch the, right the, there. The, 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 this guy had... I can't put it in that he, he's a romantic at heart. You know, he's... I don't know. He just He's just a genius. I mean... He's an artist. Yeah, he's an artist. A true he's an artist. artist. Yeah. He, with, a, with an E at the end. Anyway. All right. So that's my thing. I mean, you know, these two guys... David Crosby was 81. Um, Jeff Beck was 78. As I said earlier, you, I think you were on a phone call, which was obviously more important. Than, <laughs> um, Jeff Beck produced and did a lot of stuff that isn't very good. I mean, I'm not going to yeah. lie. He, he, It's not very listenable. Put it that way. Yeah. But so many people looked up to him. Now, David Crosby, in another way, was a little bit more esoteric also, but you could listen to his stuff forever. I tend to think of it as dope smoking music a little bit, you know, for, for lack of a better word. It's kind of what it's been tagged as, but it's not that in the way these jam bands just do these riffs for 30 minutes and nobody does anything. This guy had distinct musical um direction and um voice yeah so well jeff beck you listen to i mean the the jeff beck group i mean rod stewart i mean they were good very very good uh they did um jeff it was it was the blues song that uh, that led zeppelin did uh on one of their first ones too um you you shook me yeah uh rod stewart sang jeff beck played and you listen to the guitar playing back then i mean he was so far ahead of his time you listen to um like a steve vi or a joe satriani they mimic a lot of his phrasing. Like he used the the whammy bar a lot, and it almost kind of made it flutter, kind of give it that weird sound. Yeah, real weird phrasings. I uh, mean, your guitar is totally out of tune after you use it two or three times. Yeah, but I mean, he would play a whole set, and you know, he would be up there, have you to know, tune tuning it, it while, while, while he was playing. doing it. Wow. And so I mean, he was just he was so far ahead of his time using you know distortion and effects, all these different things. Um, and he, he always was kind of on the fringes because of that. I mean, but he was, it was, it was experimental music. It was almost like a jazz fusion wrapped up right. in blues and rock. Not, not so much Jeff Beck, but kind of Jeff Lorber a little bit too. You've heard, you know, yeah, Jeff yeah. Lorber fusion. But, but, but if where there wasn't a Jeff Beck, there wouldn't be a Peter Frampton probably. Right. And David Crosby on his side, what they did was really, they, I mean, all of the, all of the British groups that, that did harmony were all choir boys. You know, they, they started that singing Anglican hymns, four parts in their local choir, David Crosby, Stephen Stills, Graham Nash brought English choir music into California harmonies you know that that it all every everything comes from somewhere else yeah. in music yeah there isn't anything new well i mean you you think of what crosby stills nash and young brought on you know the eagles i mean you you wouldn't have that sound that harmony well kind of with, the birds really yeah but the, and david yeah. crosby was yeah. in the birds that's right 
that was a different sound. That was country rock. Yeah. And Graham Parsons, who ill-fated, you know, he had his own career. But David Crosby was also a member of the Birds. So was Clarence White, who's one of the best 12-string flat pickers that ever was. He was also in that group with Jerry Garcia that was a bluegrass group. I can't think of Kentucky Gentleman or something like that. But anyway, so you get a feel for how all the musical influences all kind of run together. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, and that came from some, I mean, everything, everything comes from something. If you didn't have people like Jeff Beck, um, like Crosby, you, you, you have to have somebody that pushes the envelope on a particular genre to kind of, you know, the next generation picks up on little bits yeah. and pieces, takes that further, just like they did with, like you said, skiffle, you know? So, so I was, th- this is good. <coughs> I'm sitting in, I'm, I'm working out at my place where I work and, and the only kind of music they like to play. And now anybody likes to listen to when they're working out is hip hop. And you know, it's the F bomb right and left. I mean, you know, and then I'm starting to listen uh, to this song and I'm hearing this. I said, that's a Michael Jackson hook that they're using. I can't think of the name of the song, but it was on the album Thriller. And they're going, what are you talking about? And I said, that, they probably paid $200,000, you know, or whatever it costs to use that sample. These rappers, they are not that good they know how to mix other stuff and and you know these like a beat out there it's something canned that you download off of a thing and you know now that's the beat to your song so all you got to do is learn how to use a computer yeah you know these guys that we're talking about are true musicians and and music is part of your soul i mean that's who you are as a human being that's not you can't create that with a computer right and vocally um well with 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 jeff beck it didn't matter if he was playing his guitar through his amp another guitar through another amp he sounded like jeff beck yeah because it was all in his it was the fingers and it was how he played and just his right how he thought about stuff i mean if you think about it eric johnson Takes a lot of stuff from sure. Jeff Beck. Yeah. You know, that that sound, way making the guitar sound like yeah. it's a cat whining somewhere in an alley. Yeah. That comes from Jeff Beck. I mean, the the, the bill, bowing a guitar. Jimmy Page learned that, you know, with making it, playing a guitar like it's a, a violin yeah. or something. Yeah. I mean, these are just all fascinating things. I'm sorry, Missy, we didn't get to your uh, next installment i hope you learned something today i mean all right i gotta jump in real quick i'm trying to educate the youth of today anybody younger than me i consider the youth okay we know last week that the radio station had a lot of technical difficulties during the show so we want to remind you we want to remind you that you can go to to prefinancial.com the shows are uploaded to our website in their entirety so if you missed or you were frustrated with the quality of the broadcast, you can listen to them right there. DupreeFinancial.com. We will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Was it?